We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ready, set, save, California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure-ready Explorer or the all-new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September third you are listening to the tuesday october 3rd edition of rotavis radio i'm packerain on twitter at packerain and with me again this week and as always going forward is sean siegel at ff underscore contrarian on twitter sean great to have you with me yeah exciting to be here excited for Another great show this week. After a month of somewhat, I wouldn't say boring, but a month or three weeks worth of games where it didn't seem like the fantasy landscape changed that much, or that the big changes weren't changes you could necessarily play as a fantasy owner because they were basically centered around players who were already on rosters. This was the first week where we had both injuries, which we don't like, but are part of fantasy football, and then breakout performances that really changed around how your running back position especially looks. And then we also had a key quarterback injury. So there's a lot to talk about today with how you structure your roster, who you're going to be picking up on waivers this week, and really what you're going to try and do going forward. We've got a great guest, and it should be an exciting show. Yep, uh, Pat Fitzmorris of uh, the Football Girl Four for Four and uh, SI.com will be on. And we, as you mentioned, ton of zero running back targets and, and running back waiver pickups this week. I mean, we've been talking 
we kind of been doing that as a standard segment since the season started of the zero running back targets, but there's a lot of guys this week, obviously, as you mentioned, some big injuries, some breakouts. So uh, we get into a lot of that with Pat. Um, before we dive into all of that, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotovis NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotovis.com slash podcast, which will give you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content. And, of course, that also helps support the podcast. Um, and you can also help support the podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Uh, you guys have heard me say that before, but uh, what's interesting about uh, you know this this beg for you to go on iTunes is that we have our own show feed. Um, we've moved over to uh, an individual show feed. It's called Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Uh, we're still on kind of the main Rotoviz Radio channel, but if you go over to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show, you'll be able to just kind of subscribe to our individual show. There are a couple more shows on the channel, but it's um, you know pared down significantly from kind of the main channel feed, which obviously has a ton of shows on it as we continue to grow the channel. So, um, and of course, given that we have a new iTunes feed for the show, the again the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show feed. It'd be especially helpful if you could rate and review us there. Um, that's uh, you know a, a, a big help given that those ratings help grow the channel, and this is obviously a new channel. So much appreciated uh, if you leave some reviews on that channel. Um, but let's get into our interview with Pat Fitzmorris of the Football Girl for for four and SI.com on Twitter at Fitz F I T Z underscore F F. Please welcome to the show, Pat Fitzmorris. You can follow Pat on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. He's a contributor to the football girl, 444 and SI.com. And uh, going into week four, he was third in 2017 overall accuracy at Fantasy Pros. Uh, so really excited to get his insight on the show. Pat, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Pat and Sean. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. Absolutely. So, uh, I, before we kind of kick kick off all these questions here, um, how was week four for you? Oh, it was brutal, man. It was really bad. Uh, I was clipping along in the season-long leagues pretty well. First three weeks uh, were smooth sailing in every league except maybe the Scott Fishball. I think that was my only uh, one and two league. And then just a train wreck this past week. I'm, I'm in danger of going 0-6 oh and, oh and if uh, – if Alex Smith has a an iffy night tonight, and if Jordan Reed has a decent night, I'm looking at uh at 0 and 6 and a, a total total wipeout, taking the collar. So plus uh, lost Dalvin Cook in one league, Chris Carson in another, just bad things all around, man. Who who else was responsible for taking you down? Oh gosh, just uh, going up against Todd Gurley in like three leagues. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, just just a lot of guys who didn't show up this week. It was uh, it was unfortunate. Well, you mentioned the injuries. We definitely want to get into that this this week. It, it was really tough. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook and and Chris Carson will definitely get into that. Sean, how did how did week four go for you? Not too bad if the evening game goes okay. Last week had a bunch of really high scores and and managed to hit the other really high scores for the week. This week, not nearly as high scoring, but sort of the the opposite was true managed to hit a bunch of other people who were putting up some pretty low scores so 
Um, as long as Kirk Cousins doesn't light the world on fire tonight, then um, most of the high stakes will move along pretty nicely. Nice. Well, we we're one for one on jinxes on the Monday night game. Uh, you know, Matt Kelly last week was talking about how Jason Witten was a metronome before he did absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> basically, as we were, he was saying that. Um, so hopefully Cousins doesn't continue that, uh, that trend there. Um, well, let's get into kind of some of the news coming out of, out of week four, going into week five. Um, Mitch Trubisky was named the Bears starting quarterback today. How do you guys see this affecting the offense? Uh, how big of a boost, if at all, maybe is it to Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen? Uh, and then want to get into the passing game stuff as well, but let's, let's start with the running backs. I mean, that's really what we care about with this team do you think that uh trubisky can kind of keep the offense on schedule a little bit more and and boost up the running back value for howard and cohen yeah i mean hopefully just by converting some third downs and um you know like you said keeping the offense on schedule and uh you know just keeping some drives running a little longer that that'll get some extra touches for howard and uh cohen and and maybe if he can generate a threat downfield that's going to uh lighten up some of the defensive fronts he's seen um but you know it's a, a fair question whether he can do that because as good as he was in the preseason I think he only averaged like 6.9 yards per pass attempt you know he was mostly doing it with short stuff and um you know I don't know how he's going to be able to uh you know loosen things up with uh hitting some of these guys downfield it's not a real star-studded cast of characters at wide receiver for him you know, I think Bears receivers right now have like 37 receptions, you know, so the wideouts are averaging less than 10 catches a game. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think it really changes the outlook all that much for the running backs. But, um, you know, Glennon was just such a train wreck that, uh, you know, by comparison, I think it's got to get at least a little bit better. What do you guys think? Well, Pat, big picture, I was kind of wondering, and you've given us a little bit of a sense so far. But do you see this more kind of like what we're seeing with Kaiser, what we saw with Goff last year, where, you know, moving to the rookie quarterback, you know, they, they try and keep a fairly conservative game plan. Uh, is there any possibility that we would see something more like what we're seeing with Deshaun Watson, where moving off of just very non-NFL kinds of passers in Osweiler last year, Savage the first game, uh, we see this this big explosion obviously you know you're talking about very different weapons from the two teams but is there any you know a very exciting upside scenario you see here i mean for trubisky i'm not sure i do i, I just don't makers to uh make it happen sean you know you know with kendall wright being really the top weapon he's got and um yeah i i don't think he's really going to light it up. I don't think he's going to be like a coveted quarterback ad for a lot of people. But, um, you know, mainly just I, I think that's kind of what, you know, if anyone's invested in the Bears running backs, I think the key thing is that he can, you know, maybe keep some of these drives going and, um, you know, just generate some sort of passing threat, uh, keep pumping out dump offs to, to Cohen. Um but, you know, as, as far as, like, really opening things up, I don't know if we're going to see that. I've been sort of forced into a situation where, uh, if nothing else, to have a little bit of an option as a backup or a bi-week quarterback in two QB leagues. Is he someone 
who in a super flex or a two QB league, you'd be adding specifically him? You know, I, I might specifically be adding him in a couple because I tend to go, uh, you know, I, I tend to put off quarterback even in the two QB leagues a bit. So I'm uh, I'm struggling through in a few with, uh, you know, let's see, I've been trying the Vikings combo in one, Eli Manning, um, you know, and, and the Scott Fishbowl I might uh, – I might dive in since I've been, you know, getting by with Alex Smith at my uh, second quarterback spot. Um, yeah, so I think he's definitely worth it in, you know, some of these competitive two QB leagues where any sort of, you know, warm body hits the market at quarterback. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to make some uh, exploratory bids this week in some of those leagues. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I, I hope you guys are interested in picking him up because I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl and I stashed him after week one, uh, kind of seeing Glennon uh, in my other two, uh, two QB league. So <laughs> if you guys weren't going to pick him <laughs> up this week, I, I've been wasting a roster spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what about Zach Miller? I mean, he's been at least, I don't know, semi-interesting, kind of a tight end streamer, doesn't have a touchdown yet, but... Uh, has 13 reception through four weeks. Had uh, uh, had just two for 45 this past week. But you know, he's at least kind of a, a clear. He's going to get volume if that offense can have a little bit more volume. Is he at all interesting to you as kind of a streamable tight end option with Trubisky? Yeah, I mean streamable. You know, the the tight end position has been such a dumpster dive this this year so far, and uh, you know there are just so few the the circle of trust at tight end is the size of a bottle cap right now. So, you know, if the, if the matchups are right, I'm definitely willing to, you know, grab Miller for a, a one or two week stint as a starter. And, um, you know, I, I just off the top of my head from memory and seeing the bears preseason games, I want to say that, you know, Trubisky did throw um, a few balls to his tight ends in uh, exhibition game. So, you know, maybe we see a little bit more of that. I think he had a few passes to Shaheen in the preseason and, uh, you know, it might've been a couple to Miller. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think Miller might be streamable depending on matchup. Cool. All right, let's move on to Amari Cooper. Who's becoming also barely streamable. Um, he, uh, you know, someone we've been talking about him on this podcast every week, kind of excited about him after week one. And then the last, uh, two weeks after week two, after week three, have you know been much less excitement. Um, kind of talked about him last week as a potential buy low option, but then Matt Kelly pointed out how bad Cooper has done against Denver in his career, and so we sort of concluded that you know maybe the buy window open, might the buy window wouldn't open until after this past week, and that's definitely looked like you know that's the way it played out. Cooper had eight targets this week, but he just had two receptions and nine yards. Then Derek Carr left the game with back spasms. There's no guarantee that those don't recur, although it, there seems to be some optimism around around Carr and his status. But is Cooper at this point a bust, or is he a buy low now coming off this legitimately tough matchup in Denver? Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious what you guys think there, and then also want to throw out some uh, you know potential trade options, running backs that you might trade for him. But but just generally, where do you guys stand on Cooper right now? Well, it, it seems like the news today, the, the latest news maybe, is, is very poor. If 
he has a, a fracture. If, if Derek Carr has a fracture in the back and you have to go to the next quarterback, that, then you start to get into a very poor situation where I, I just don't see this, this improving anytime soon. Cooper is a player I've been very high on. I've been expecting the big breakout. And I think anytime the problem for Cooper owners is that those those fantasy owners were big believers. And so then, you know, you, you get into this situation where I think it's hard not to swing very, very far back in the other direction when you're burned by that and maybe you're burned by that consistently. But at this point, there's not a lot of room for optimism because one of the biggest concerns going into the season was just that this is not a player who had a good schedule at all. And so, you know, you're really hoping to see that big breakout where if you have the breakout and then you have Crabtree on the other side and then you have this elite quarterback, then, you know, maybe you can fight through these schedule problems. But now we, we just don't see any of those things in place. We don't see the breakout. Obviously, Crabtree, some injury concerns, car some injury concerns. And so really everything you were hoping for to balance out maybe the red flags, you know, those things are disappearing. So, so I, you know, you're trying to fight against this overreaction. You saw the Cam Newton last week. You know, he comes back after the first three games. There are still plenty of problems with Cam Newton, but you do see that what he brings to the table is still there. With Amari Cooper, I think it might even be darker than the situation with Newton a week ago. Wow. Yeah. So let me yeah. just let me just jump oh, in there because I I was prepping these uh, questions uh, about the time this broke. We're recording this on Monday night at about eight thirty, and uh, a couple hours before it did break that Derek Carr is now going to be out two to six weeks with a back fracture. Um, so I had been, you know, been reading the the back spasms report, but yeah, to, Sean, to your point, this is actually a lot more of a severe case for obviously both Carr, but also Cooper. Uh, if he's out, you know, Derek Carr is out, and then he's got EJ, EJ Manuel throwing him the ball, which in terms of, there's a lot of bad backup quarterbacks out there, but Manuel's got to be, you know, below average even for those. So, sorry, Pat, what, what do you see here for Cooper going forward? Yeah, I mean, it is pretty dark with the car injury. It's just hard to see, you know, you have to wonder if he's even going to be able to sustain like wide receiver three value uh, from here on out, you know, and, and as Sean mentioned, there's some, uh, you know, real rough patches with the schedule. He's been through one already. Um, you know, it would be nice if Carr at least, uh, came back in time for like weeks, um, eight, nine, I think they've got a buy in 10 and then 11 where they've got like, uh, pretty much the tour of the AFC East with, uh, Buffalo, Miami and New England. Uh, you know, all those are, are playable matchups. So if Carr's there, uh, you know, that's a good spot in the schedule for him. But for the most part, you know, he's going to have to weather the the manual weeks. You know, I don't think you're going to be really eagerly throwing Cooper in your lineup there. Um, you know, the end of the season gets tough again with KC, Denver, Carolina. Um, yeah, it's it's not looking good right now. Yeah, it's it that's it's a bummer. <laughs> um all right, well let's let's talk about a wide receiver who is a little bit uh you know, less less of a bummer here. Uh DeAndre Hopkins. Uh last week we talked about him cuz he's leading the league in targets. You saw another 12 targets this week. Um Sean, you mentioned Deshaun Watson as kind of an 
an upside scenario for Trubisky. Watson's been fantastic. He had five total touchdowns this past week. Um, but Will Fuller also saw six targets this week and converted for two touchdowns. Um, I'm excited what you guys think, or I'm, I'm interested in what you guys think about not just Hopkins, but also Fuller, Watson, the kind of this whole offense going forward. Um, do you think Watson can keep up, not obviously this exact pace, but kind of what he's shown over the last two weeks? And can this offense support multiple kind of top 24 level um, fantasy wide receivers? I think it's going to be kind of hit and miss with Fuller going forward. I mean, um, you know, as a, as a best ball own, uh, I think he's a little more appealing than as a season long guy, just because, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of in that, um, I know, kind of a poor man, Deshaun, poor man's Deshaun Jackson, where you're going to get the occasional windfall and, uh, you know, you're also going to have some real dry weeks. And so he's going to be a tough guy to roll out in season long leagues. I mean, if, um, you know, the, the bye weeks hits and you've got some injuries, you know, you can throw him into a spot and can make his quota with just one big play. But, uh, you know, it, it's they're probably going to be kind of few and far between. Um, you know, on one hand, there aren't a lot of other targets in that offense besides Hopkins. But, you know, Hopkins uh, can kind of suck the air out of a room. And uh, at least as far as these other guys go. So, um, you know, I. Fuller's an intriguing talent, and uh, I think there will be some nice weeks along the way, but, um, you know, he's going to be kind of hard to depend on. Let me ask you about that in terms of how you're setting your weekly projections. Will Fuller is a player who last year, I argued, was not just a good first-round pick, but was probably even an undervalued first-round pick, and that he might be, uh, based on a, a number of different metrics and, and how you put those together he might be the best wide receiver prospect from that class now granted it's a, it's a fairly weak class but you have him there you see what he can do in that first game back with him being healthy and then watson you know, arguably just completely changing his offense around so when you're looking at hopkins how do you set your projections how does that affect what you do with him is it a positive that Fuller is going to be able to take some of the defensive attention and open things up, or are you more concerned from a volume perspective that he might lose targets? Uh, almost like a net wash there. I mean, like it might siphon a few targets away from Hopkins, but I think it does, um, you know, and, and really I think that was the whole purpose of the Texans taking Fuller, you know, that he would be able to uh, be the lid lifter in that offense and, um, you know, like kind of, open up some breathing room for Hopkins underneath. So, you know, I'm, I'm almost treating it as kind of zero sum. What do you think about that? Do you think it's more of a net plus or a net minus for hop? I like to think it's a positive. I think that it probably protects you a little bit from those really bad weeks or the weeks where the defense just goes all out and says, we're going to stop Hopkins, regardless of what else happens. One of the things we talked about last week was that it was really exciting to see Watson just relentlessly target him, look for him on every play, and that unlike what some of the other quarterbacks in their system had done, and what you see across the league with uh, some other offenses and the star wide receiver, where you watch the game and you experience that frustration. It's like, why are they not going to the guy who can win the game for them? Well, in Houston, you know, we're not seeing that. And that's, that's very exciting. I think now when you add Fuller in, it, 
it just gets even better. I, I don't worry too much about losing the target volume because I think that the efficiency will increase, the uh, conversions will increase. And so I think it's a positive for both players and certainly as someone who picked up Watson to you know, try and protect for a couple of these early bye weeks with you know, big-time star quarterbacks. Yeah. Obviously, he's not going to do what he did last week every, every time. None of the players in their offense will. But all of a sudden, it looks like you can play all of those Texans players where you know, two weeks ago, Lamar Miller starts to look like a backup. Uh, Hopkins, you know, you're still worried that those 2016 numbers are going to be what you see from him. And, and now, just in a couple-week period, it looks completely different there for the Texans. And, and certainly within the context of 2017, especially the first two weeks, but even then this week four a little bit, not being, uh, you know, the high scoring environment for fantasy football that we all enjoy, you know, having this specific team breakout uh, has been very exciting, especially if you own some of the players. Are you guys worried at all that, um, you know, that maybe, Fuller isn't going to pair real well with Watson that uh, just because Watson might not have, you know, the arm strength to really take advantage of Fuller's deep speed. Yeah. I mean, that does seem to be like a, you know, a natural concern with Fuller and he had the two touchdowns, but you know, he didn't have like a a huge play uh, on either one of those. So um, I do think that that could be a concern, but maybe, you know, as a, as a Hopkins owner, it's, it makes you feel better in that, you know, Fuller's not necessarily going to be able to become, you know, the top target for Watson, just given that limitation, and it might be a little bit more sporadic. Kind of a, maybe a little bit similar to Winston with, with Jackson and Evans. Um, Winston has more of an arm, but he's not all that accurate deep. So, Sean, what do you think about that? I, I just think it's hard to say. I mean, you, you certainly, one of the reasons why the Chiefs went in a different direction as opposed to, getting Watson, one of the reasons why fantasy owners were concerned about him is that you do have these uh, issues with ball velocity. And we saw with Rotodox projections that, you know, that does factor in and uh, it's a concern. And even with how good he's looked early on, you know, some of the interceptions and the efficiency numbers within the context last year at Clemson, I mean, those things are a concern. And if he's going to be able to support this, you know, dynamic deep threat, you know, that's an open question, but I, you know, when you look, when you look at the game this past week, and I think that Fuller offers more maybe than Deshaun Jackson. Uh, not necessarily right now, and not that he's better than Deshaun Jackson immediately, but I think he can be a more rounded player. I think he can be a better player. And certainly within the context of what they're doing offensively, and, and now just with a competent quarterback, you know, you're seeing some of the excitement that that Texans offense can bring. And so even without those deep passes, you know, Fuller can be, Fuller can be a star. And we see players like Joe Flacco who can throw the deep ball from an arm strength perspective, but perhaps not from an arm strength perspective. I don't know that Watson really has either thing, but when you're talking about someone like Fuller getting open by such wide margins, I think that getting clear of the defense, creating separation, those types of things are going to be more important than if a quarterback can hit him on a 50-yard pass. So from that perspective, I, I think the Fuller is still undervalued. He's somebody where if 
an opposing owner has them. And, and Fuller's the type of player you would expect, again, to be sort of owned by true believers as opposed to uh, just someone who was being picked up as a value. But if you have an opposing owner who's wanting to sell high based on this game, then I think you should look at that because I don't think that this game is going to be the end of it. Uh, sort of as Pat said, I do think he's going to be someone who's tricky to play because obviously you're not going to get those two touchdowns every week. But I think you're going to get a lot more than some people think. So put out the trade offers and, you know, if someone thinks they're selling high on him, then, you know, maybe you can get a good deal this week. Yeah. And I just want to go back to Cooper for a second. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, I wanted to kind of throw out some trade targets there, um, but I, I forgot to do that. So uh, would you, in terms of like trade targets for Cooper, would you trade a guy like Lamar Miller for Cooper? Um is that, you know, with, with Carr being out this long, assuming full PPR, um, like where in terms of like running backs would you would you have to go over to get a guy like Cooper? And and how far down the wide receiver list would you have to go before you're interested in trading for Cooper at this point? It, it's definitely not Miller. Um, in full PPR, it might – I'm trying to think of what might be a good match. Maybe someone like um, – you know, a, a running back whose uh, value is sort of damaged by the format, like a guy like Mike Gillisley or LeGarrette Blunt, who's uh, kind of got the name brand appeal, but just really isn't that valuable in PPR. I mean, I might, uh, you know, those typically aren't the kind of backs that I pursue in, in PPR, but if I had a guy like that on my roster, you know, I might try to, to tempt a Cooper owner with a, a guy like that. What about a guy like uh, more of just like a, a PPR limited back, like a Tariq Cohen, a Chris Thompson, an Alvin Kamara? Would you throw those guys out? Pat, I got an interesting trade offer three or four days ago uh, that featured Cooper for Chris Thompson. And I didn't respond to the offer, not because I thought the offer was offensive. I mean, obviously, you're looking at this, you know, uh, a second round pick for like a 15th round pick just three or four weeks into the season. But you do have to respond to the changing circumstances. Thompson has been spectacular, albeit in a role that would not seem to be sustainable, whereas Cooper has been awful. So even then in the, in the course of three or four days, I'm going from, you know, clearly not having taken that offer to where the offer is still on the table. But I feel like it's a situation where you have to go back and, say, you know, you can't just hit accept. You've got to go back now and say, is this offer still still available? Are you still willing to trade someone like Chris Thompson for Amari Cooper? Would you make that trade? I personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I'd rather have Thompson right now. You know, and he, even knowing the volume limitations, I, I would still rather have Thompson than Cooper at this point. What about, you know, Kamara? We're getting a little further down, I would guess. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I I still like I'm I'm so out on Cooper right now with the car injury, and I mean, this is a guy who, um, you know, I I loved and kind of stubbornly was keeping in my top ten going into the season, thinking that it was just a matter of time before the touchdowns came. You know, I was really expecting like a, a twelve or thirteen hundred yard, nine or ten touchdown season, and um, you know, just now with the car injury. You know, maybe Cooper's confidence flagging a little after uh, some of the rough drops. Um, you know, I, I just don't think it's looking good. And uh, I'd, I'd be real reluctant to give up any running back of value, especially a guy 
you know, like Kamara, who's kind of on the come and, you know, can contribute as a part timer. And, uh, you know, it's just like one injury away from being a really, really valuable asset. So here's an interesting one. What if you could, and we'll, we'll talk about this guy a little bit more later, but what if you could grab Latavius Murray, Murray off waivers this week and flip him for Cooper? Ooh, that's interesting for that. I guess, even though I'm, wound up with a lot of Latavius Murray in uh, MFL 10s for some reason because he was always the guy like sitting there in, in round 17 before I started drafting my defenses um, in in a situation like that just because I think he's going to have some limited PPR appeal I think I'd be uh, happy to flip him for Cooper give myself a little wide out depth Sean if that offer comes in your inbox are you ignoring it or are you were you thinking about it <laughs> Obviously, in most of my leagues, I'm looking to get running backs because I drafted heavy wide receiver as usual. But I, I do think that Cooper, I mean, one of the possibilities with the quarterback injury is that you would see the replacement QB feel like Cooper was his way to address the situation. So if suddenly Cooper is getting much greater volume, and we didn't see this at the end of the game the other day, but you know the, the hope that I would have is that Manuel goes out there and just relentlessly targets him. And one of the things we talked about before is that Derek Carr, you know, he reads the defense, he reads pre-snap. Um, often that pushes him to Crabtree or to Cook. You know, I think in an optimistic scenario, you would hope that that Manuel doesn't have that. And as a result, the volume might even go up, in which case, you know, there's always this long shot scenario that Cooper actually emerges as a result of this injury. So when you're talking about replaceable running backs, running backs who a week from now, you know, might be back on the waiver wire, I definitely would prefer to have Cooper. But just this conversation, I think, really illustrates how far he's fallen and that, you know, the breakout isn't happening. Yep. Agreed. Um. All right, we're going to get into some more stuff here, but I just wanted to mention my bookie, um, which, you know, last week I, I mentioned that there was kind of a one last week to try to get a Rotovis pullover that we've got uh, coming out. They're like half zip pullovers, gray with the red logo um, on the front. Uh, there's actually one more week to get that. So uh, I got to correct that, read the, cop- the copy wrong. We're actually going through, through this week to get um, – to get one of those pullovers. And the way you do that is you sign up with my bookie at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code ROTO radio, R O T O radio. And then uh, you get a hundred percent deposit bonus with that code as well. Uh, and they're also adding in a $25 casino chip on, on top of the hundred, a hundred percent bonus. So, you know, if you deposit a hundred bucks, then they give you another hundred bucks plus the 25, just kind of add it in. Um, Again, that's mybookie.ag with the code ROTORADIO. Um, we're going to announce the winner of the Rotoviz Half Zip pullover on a future episode. Uh, in order to get that, like I said, use the code. Then also email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com with a copy of your sign-up confirmation. That's how you enter to win that pullover. Um, and I, I also got to mention with my mybookie.ag that they pay out in just two business days reliable fast payouts best the business so uh head over there sign up uh with the code rotoradio at mybookie.ag um all right let's get into doug martin uh who's returning this week from his three game suspension 
Uh, Sean, you mentioned that your teams are in need of running back help. I don't know if you got Martin on any of those teams, but uh, he could be walking into a pretty big role, although the latest news on Martin is that they're kind of being coy about what his role is going to be on Thursday night. It's a short week. Uh, he was just reinstated uh, today, I guess. So he's, you know, technically not practiced with the, been able to practice with the team. Not technically. He hasn't been able to practice with the team. He was there in preseason. Um, so they're kind of being coy about how much work he'll get on Thursday. Do you think that uh, his role will be reduced on Thursday? Am I crazy if I throw him into a Monday through Thursday GPP lineup? Um, and what do you think his outlook is for the rest of the season? So, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to call BS on the notion that he's going to get work back in slowly. I mean, this was, uh, this past week was really the first game where we saw Jaquiz Rogers show up pulse, you know, and I, I think mm-hmm. Martin is pretty clearly the best running back there. Um, you know, he, he was in training camp. It's not like he, you know, got out of the, offense has to learn the offense over again um you know I, I think he'll be able to step in pretty seamlessly and uh you know i i kind of do think he's going to be the lead guy and um you know maybe they mix in rogers like a little more than they will in subsequent weeks just for stamina you know since martin hasn't uh gotten up to game speed yet but you know i would be really surprised if he didn't get the majority of the touches for the bucks this week Sean, you're you're known as a contrarian. Am I am I too contrarian if I use uh, Martin in a in a GPP on Monday Thursday? Well, my biggest question is you have him coming off of the layoff, and you do have some new weapons there in Tampa, but they've been inconsistent in terms of how they've looked through the first several weeks. My question for Pat would be, how much should we be concerned about the layoff and how much should we be concerned simply about the fact that he was not a good player last year? Because we have this issue where uh, he's gotten his life together, he's gotten clean, and the narrative has been very, very positive. But how much of that was responsible for, and, and we can't know for sure, obviously, but when we're looking at Doug Martin, we're evaluating Doug Martin, are we saying that we should just look at his good seasons because he's also had a number of very poor seasons in the NFL. Martin's good every other year, Sean. This is, this is a good year. (laughs) (laughs) So he is a a hard one to assess. You know, I mean, like you don't see a lot of players with this sort of Jekyll and Hyde, uh, you know, performance line, Um, you know, like, Obviously, we can't know how much some of the demons he's battled have had to do with some of the bad years. But, um, you know, I, I guess I'm willing to make a little bit of a leap of faith. And actually, you know, kind of did put my money where my mouth is in the 16 uh, team standard league where I just lost Chris Carson. I'm really counting on Doug Martin coming back and, uh, you know, making some sort of contribution for me right away. I'm, I'm more or less forced to play him this week. So, um you know, I I just think he walks into a nice situation with a very potent passing game, um, you know, a, a, an offense that's most of the key pieces have been in place for a while, you know, a couple of years, um, you know, an offensive line that's kind of had a year or so to gel. Um, I'm, I'm just betting that it's kind of a, uh, like, this is sort of a good spot for him. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be, 
if not one of the the great years, you know, the the equal one of the real banner seasons he's had. I at least think it's going to be not one of the disasters um, of the past. Yeah, and, and I think that that is true as well. And I would put him in to line up certainly if you need a player. I guess my biggest concern with Martin is simply that he falls into this group of running backs who are good and occasionally very good, but I don't know that they're difference makers to the level where you would necessarily want to be going out to acquire them just generally. So when I think of Martin, I, I think of him as being in the group that you know, perhaps also include a player like C.J. Anderson, a player like Marshawn Lynch, a player like Eddie Lacy. And, and I mention those three guys because we've seen – their seasons play out in very different kinds of ways. And so perhaps the co- the comparison of Martin to those players would be apples and oranges, but perhaps that gives a little bit of sense of at least what I see as being possible scenarios where if you have a player who's good but not great, perhaps not difference-making, then you know very much at the whim of or, or just very subject to other conditions that occur in the game. And I think, Pat, the thing that you mentioned about being in a good offensive situation, you know, hopefully that is the thing that at least helps carry him. Uh, obviously, we've seen with Marshawn Lynch where that was also the expectation there as well, that even though he'd been poor in 2015, off in 2016, comes back into this theoretically amazing situation with the Raiders where they have a, a potent overall offense and then a great offensive line, and, you know, we've really seen that collapse. Certainly it doesn't mean it'll happen with Martin, but I guess that's my concern more than the layoff, more than some of the other things, is just that he is not in that uh, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott uh, sort of tier where even if things go poorly, and obviously all running backs, when when the context is better, they perform better. But there are certain players who you would expect to transcend certain situations I don't think Martin is that kind of guy. So hopefully for his owners and for the Buccaneers, we'll see their overall offense perform very well, you know, over this next month or so. I'm I'm curious, Sean, did he tempt you in any of your zero RB drafts? I mean, did he fall into that wheelhouse where you could have possibly had him after uh, attacking other positions for four or five rounds? I was pretty tempted on Martin occasionally, but I didn't end up with him. And the reason is that holding him through that first three-week period, you you sort of burn a roster spot where I was hoping, and the way that I like to construct the rosters is to put the players in a situation where things could change significantly. So at the running back position, I'm looking for players who can see this very large change in value. With Martin, obviously, you can have that in that you know, he goes from being suspended to not suspended, but you have to burn that, that roster spot for the time. And, and still going in the sixth, seventh round, then I'm not even sure that the downside of just a bad Doug Martin season is priced in at that point, much less those first three games. So I didn't, I didn't have him, but certainly I think that that would have worked for certain players with the strategy based on the rest of your roster construction. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I'm in the same situation as you, Pat, where I've got Chris Carson just went down for me and Scott Fishbowl and Doug Martin is now going to be stepping in. So uh, I'm kind of hoping for the optimistic scenario that we discussed with him. Um, but wanted to talk about uh, Andrew Luck, a guy we didn't really touch on last week. The news last week came out that he could be out until November, um, which basically means until week nine. 
um, at the earliest. Uh, and that came out kind of later last week after we recorded. So wanted to touch on that news. And then also, you know, the fact that Brissett didn't look too bad last night. Um, Hilton and Moncrief have been well below their typical output over four weeks, but Hilton had a pretty big week three. And then Brissett looked actually somewhat capable in Seattle last night. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, Hilton and Moncrief have been really struggling against, uh, they had their first three matchups against the Rams, Cardinals, and Browns, all of which are allowing a lot of points to fit to uh, wide receivers. So is is Brissett looking good in a tough matchup in primetime, kind of maybe a, a chance to get out now knowing that Luck is probably going to be missing probably, you know, another four games, if not more? Yeah, I mean, Hilton might still have some value, um, you know, if you were looking to make a trade with a, a desperate team that really needed wide receiver help and, and someone, I mean, and let's face it, there are a lot of people still clinging to the hope that Andrew Luck is going to be back in like two weeks and he's going to be as good as new. And, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of the people who, you know, do this, um, you know, for a living or, or who, you know, do podcasts and write about fantasy football, you know, we tend to be a little more uh, gimlet-eyed as far as Andrew Luck's outlook goes. I don't think any of us are really expecting to see the old Andrew Luck within the next month or so. So, um, so I, I think you could probably still uh, recoup some value for Hilton. I'm not sure you could on Moncrief. I'm, uh, for me personally, I mean, Moncrief's a guy I'm uh, totally willing to drop in typical 12-team leagues. I just don't think the value is going to be there, and I'm not really willing to wait it out on him to see, you know, wait for Andrew Luck to uh, round back into form after missing all of camp and, you know, so many games. So uh, Hilton maybe, but not Moncrief. So, Pat, I've got a very specific uh, sort of fanciful question for you, a specific league base. I've got this team that we've talked about a little bit where I have David Johnson and Allen Robinson. And I, I think like a lot of other people, just in, in terms of um, interacting with the community, somehow if you had David Robinson, then Allen Robinson seemed like they were always on the team together. In a, in a very uh, flukily, luckily situation, I have that team that's going to go to three and one this weekend. Has Todd Gurley, has some other players who uh, I think Greg Zerline basically is pulling that team to the three and one record. <laughs> I also have some other guys like Jordan Reed, Tyler Eifert, you know, a bunch of injured players. I'm trying to add more injured players to that team so that if it makes it to the playoffs, it will have a roster that is unlike virtually any of the other playoff rosters, with the exception of Gurley, who at this point looks like he may pull quite a few teams in there. On that team, I weirdly selected Andrew Luck. He was like the 15th or 16th quarterback off the board. And at that point, it didn't seem you know like a big deal to, to draft him and stash him. But with the new news, with the fact that even if he comes back, his playoff schedule is absolutely brutal. And then... And again, I, I think in a little touch of serendipity there, I have luckily added Deshaun Watson and, you know, was on the bench this week, wasted all those points. But going forward there in that type of scenario, is there any point to continue to hold, hold Andrew? Um, you know, I like I personally don't think so. I just don't think we're going to see him at, at 
Um, I, I don't think we're going to see the old Andrew Luck, um, you know, until, gosh, like late December, mid-December, early, de- some, you know, sometime, sometime before, I don't know. I, I just don't, I think it's going to take him a few games to get back into the flow, um, you know, but, but then again, in a league like that, Sean, where you have been the cat falling out of a third story window and landing on your feet, uh, who knows? <laughs> with with the luck going the way it has, I'd almost be tempted just to, uh, you know, see if you could get lucky one more time and have it happen. Like personally, I'm not willing to bet on it, but um, you know, I I guess you know, betting on talent sometimes can be the right move, but um, you know, I'm just like such an injury pessimist in this case and and in most cases with guys coming back from these major issues that uh you know i'm i'm not willing to do it and i'd kind of rather keep my roster fluid yeah and uh sean you mentioned that schedule indies at jacksonville for week 13 at buffalo for week 14 home for denver week 15 and at baltimore week 16 and then indy also has a week 11 bye um yeah so you, even if he comes back week nine, you get him at Houston, home for Pittsburgh, uh, which has been a tough matchup. And then, then you get your bye. Then that, then Tennessee, home for Tennessee, which is a solid matchup. But then the the string of games I just mentioned. So there's, he could come back for week nine, and you could maybe want to play him for one of those weeks. Uh, so pretty tough to hang on to luck, I think. Um, all right, well, let's get into some zero running back candidates. We've been kind of doing this every week, and this is a big week for zero running back pickups. Going to do that after this quick break. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple minutes, so you could join one right now. And the best part? You play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. There's no salary caps, so you play in real-life snake drafts, just like you would with your friends in a season-long league. So come in, join me, draft against me on Draft Today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on draft. Just search draft in the app store or go to playdraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. All right, let's get into some zero running back candidates. Um, Let's start with the big name this week, Latavius Murray. Uh, Mike Zimmer confirmed today that Dalvin Cook tore his ACL and is out for the season. Uh, Latavius Murray, I think, will be maybe the biggest pickup of the year. Um, I think certainly, you know, if people missed out on Smallwood, they'll go harder for Murray, um, given that it seems like Murray's got a clearer workload, but... Uh, Murray's ankles reportedly not 100%. Is Jarek McKinnon interesting here as an arbitrage play on Murray? Um, so 
Uh, Pat, what do you think about just just Murray as a as a pickup? But also curious on your take on McKinnon. Yeah, so I mean, I think he's going to be. Boy, people are going to spend a lot of fab money on mm-hmm. Murray this week. Uh, just kind of in any port in a storm type of uh, solution to you know the Dalvin Cook owners, the Chris Carson owners. But uh, you know, Murray himself has said he's still not quite a hundred percent physically right um coming off last year's injury um you know i think he's a limited player i think he benefited from that great offensive line last year and and you know still averaged almost two yards of carry less than his two backups uh so you know i'm i'm kind of skeptical that it's gonna work out that well and you know with McKinnon, it's it's not entirely clear that Murray's going to step into this workhorse role. You know, I I guess I don't qualify as a full blown McKinnon truther, but I'm kind of like a corner man for the McKinnon truthers. They keep coming back to their stool, <laughs> bloodied and battered, and I'm there with the water and the towel to kind of encourage them and go out there for another round. Um, you know, it it feels like <laughs> it feels like the guy's going to hit one of these times. I mean, like. So athletic. I'm, I'm thinking back to I think it was a preseason game last year in 2016 where, you know, um, I forget who the Vikings were playing, but it looked like they had McKinnon dead to rights for a safety. And he just pulled this Houdini act to get out of it. And I think he picked up like 12 yards. Um, you know, it, it just hasn't happened for him yet. But, um, you know, now certainly I think there's going to be opportunity uh, unfortunately, I guess he had some sort of an ankle injury late in this, uh, this game this past Sunday. So, um, you know, we don't know the extent of that injury or whether he's going to be able to play in week five. But, um, you know, I do expect some sort of Murray McKinnon split going forward. And I kind of do think McKinnon's the more talented guy. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. And I'm, I'm probably going to pick him up in at least one league in case he finally hits. Sean, would you consider yourself a, a McKinnon truther that Pat's been kind of your corner man this whole time? I have been, but I, I just I really try to make sure that I bring a, a little bit of skepticism to those types of players. So when you know that you're probably overly enthusiastic for someone to back that off and, and try and add extra skepticism, for both Murray and McKinnon, they are just fantastic athletes. They're much more athletic, I think, than the common fan, and even many experts really realize. So then the question is, does that you know, really manifest itself in terms of how they play running back? Certainly both of them have some questions with injuries. Not everything that a person has simply as an athlete. I mean, running back is one of the positions where it's very clear in terms of how you project players that athleticism translates into production on the field. But but not always and not completely. Obviously, you have Bishop Sankey and some other examples like that. Pat, I wanted to ask you in terms of this specific Vikings team, you mentioned the offensive line situation. The Vikings are a little bit different team than they were last year, both in terms of what they're trying to do with the offensive line and in terms of what their schedule is and how that should affect the running back. Is there any reason for optimism based on an easier schedule, based on development of the offense? One of the complicating factors, I think, here in terms of whether you want either player is how you see the quarterback situation. Is there reason to believe in Keenum if he has to be the guy for multiple more weeks? 
if Bradford comes back and then you've got those you know, somewhat exciting wide receivers, will that open it up for the running backs? Are those kinds of things issues you're taking in consideration as you're looking at potentially picking up Murray or McKinnon? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm trying to, um, even though they're taking, you know, hit after hit here, I'm trying to remain, uh, bullish about the Minnesota offense. You know, I, I certainly invested heavily in the wide receivers and, um, you know, so far Diggs and, and Thielen are managing to, you know, Diggs especially preserve value even with the, uh, the quarterback change. And, uh, you know, Keenum's at least a competence backup. So, um, you know, it, I guess it's not as, uh, you know, quite as ideal as it would be if, if we had a clean bill of health for Bradford. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried. I, I don't think that like really takes the luster off of, uh, either of these guys or, or, you know, diminishes their speculative value. You know, I, I, it's definitely, you're still speculating with these two, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not bailing out just because it's Keenum instead of Bradford, I guess. Let's let's go to Wayne Gallman, who uh, I think will be would normally have been I think a pretty expensive pickup, but maybe a little bit more under the radar this week. Uh, he had 11 carries, 42 yards on the ground, he had two receptions, eight yards, and a touchdown through the air. Um, Paul Perkins and Orleans Darkwell are banged up, and Gallman's pretty versatile back. Uh, you know, I think it's possible he could be kind of a three-down guy. I guess my thing with the Giants is that they seem to always be working in another back. So, you know, I, I think Gallman could have a three-down skill set, but I would maybe be skeptical that the Giants would actually use anyone in a true three-down kind of role. But uh, where do you guys stand on Gallman? Is he also kind of a way to maybe underbid on Murray and, and just get Gallman for cheaper than he would go on a on a different week? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in him just because I'm not worried about Perkins, um, you know, reclaiming that role. Like if Gallman does anything, I think it's his job. I mean, Perkins has just looked so bad. And, uh, you know, Vereen's going to keep his role um, for as long as he can stay healthy, I think. But, um, you know, I think the the only reason for pessimism on Gallman, I guess, well, other than the fact that he's not, you know, an especially electrifying prospect and, you know, athletically pretty pedestrian, um, you know, but as you mentioned, Pat, you know, he did catch some passes at Clemson. I think he had 20 receptions uh, every season he was there. Um, but it, the offensive line, I think, is is the one thing that's going to hold back any giant running back. Uh, but at the same time, they've, they've got to get something going on the ground, at least, you know, um, they have to at least be able to go through the motions of having a running game to keep uh, pass rushers off Eli. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that the Goleman went 11 for 42, and people are like, oh, my God, he's so much better than Perkins. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like right. They might it, it might not be an actual uh, you know productive running game, but they do need some sort of scarecrow back there to uh, you know, at least keep uh, keep the crows from going all over Eli. The, the the biggest thing here seems to be just that the Giants, despite you know what they committed to him in terms of the contract, they just appear to hate Shane Vereen or think that he has really no value to bring anything to the table for them. To where even when they're in some hurry up situations, even when they're trailing by multiple touchdowns late, they just they don't want to put him in the game. 
And so if you're potentially not going to lose those kinds of touches, it, it clears it up a lot more. And the Giants running backs just aren't going to score a lot of fantasy points. But if they're concentrated in one person, then not a lot could still be enough to perhaps get you over uh, you know, a bye week type of situation. Or if you're really hurting, if you had multiple injuries, you know, maybe just right from the get go here. So he, he did bring a spark to them immediately. And, and those can be the players who are overvalued. Goldman had a, a very poor, you know, draft process and, you know, is in a situation where despite Perkins and Darkwa and Vereen all being incredibly underwhelming, it took, multiple injuries to get him on the field but now that he's there it definitely looks like uh, it may be difficult for them to to get him back off the field yeah i mean that's an interesting point sean about the uh their lack Vereen. i mean you would think that with the game scripts they've had being an 0-4 team and and trailing so often like you know you could make the case for just kind of going hurry up and keeping Vereen on the field but uh like over the last three weeks i think he's played like fewer than 30 percent of their snaps so um yeah, maybe maybe that makes the opportunity for Gallman even bigger than, you know, commonly perceived. Yeah, and one thing Gallman did not have a good draft process and, and slipped in the uh the draft from I think where people thought he might go when we started out, but um Matt Friedman developed at Rotovis the the workhorse score, which kinda looks at uh how much running backs are used in sort of situations that matter, kind of excluding blowouts and, and that type of thing. Um, and Blair Andrews has kind of continued that work, uh, after Matt left Rotoviz. So, uh, looking at the scores for this season, Wayne Gallman had the highest score in the class, uh, 87.13, which is pretty high score. Basically, you know, again, in those situations that matter, he's getting like 87% of the work is, so I think that works out. So, you know, he topped the class in that, and that's been a fairly good indicator for late round running backs. Um, basically the guys that everyone's overlooking workhorse workhorse score um, is a pretty good metric for helping uncover some gems there so he's been kind of on my radar it's just you know he's been super super cheap in dynasty given uh, his draft capital so I've, I kind of you know hold out some hope for Gallman uh, and I I do think that you know with the offensive line I don't think he could become he's not gonna become necessarily a league winner but you know, he could be startable here through the bye weeks, I think. Um, let's move to Aaron Jones, who, as I'm looking at the workhorse score here, it was third in the class. Um, Jones, at one point, kind of looked like he was going to be maybe the premier pickup, as we saw Montgomery go down Thursday night. Um, Jamal Williams went down shortly thereafter. So it, it seemed like Jones was just going to be like the guy everyone spent all their fab for. But then the news since on Montgomery has been pretty optimistic. The Williams injury isn't a major one. Um, so Jones is going to be kind of more of a short-term add here. But but Jones, again, uh, has kind of an all-around skill set. Um, you know, he could be a three-down guy in the NFL. Uh, is he kind of worth a short-term add? How much are you interested in adding him off of waivers this week? Uh, Sean, let's start with you. Well, Jones looks like a player who I think the comparison is Amir Abdullah without all of the competition for the high value touches. Now we saw this past week where Abdullah actually didn't see those touches. So Riddick wasn't very involved. Zenner wasn't involved. 
uh, around the goal line or he was in for a couple of plays, but not ones where he had the handoff for the running back at the goal line there. And part of that was that Abdullah had played really well in that game. So they really wanted to keep him on the field. The other part of it, though, was just that when his opportunity did expand to include some of those high value touches, all of a sudden he's a viable starter. Jones doesn't have quite the crazy uh, vertical leap numbers that Abdullah put up at the combine, but otherwise they're very, very similar where you've got this, you know, 208 ish pound running back who didn't run fast, but had very impressive leaping numbers, incredibly impressive agility numbers, and is coming off of a huge season in his final year in college, and potentially is competing with some guys in Green Bay who are less exciting. Now, Montgomery, because of the opportunity he had, was putting up some good numbers, even if there were some efficiency questions. Jamal Williams, I don't think, is actually that interesting. And so then when the injuries created the situation with Aaron Jones, I mean, if you take, you look at where Abdullah was being drafted, you know, put him or someone who's arguably even a little bit better, and I know most people wouldn't make that argument, but I think it's a fair argument to make, put someone like that in an offense with Aaron Rodgers, suddenly that becomes very, very exciting. So Pat, my question would be, I own Jones in Ryan McDowell's um, kitchen sink league, and I have him on my taxi squad. If I promote him to the active roster, I have to then assign a contract, and I can only keep him for four years. And then also I have limit to my contract space. So basically the scenario is that if I promote him from the taxi squad, it will cost me in terms of optionality, other things I can do. Is this the week to promote him? Is he act in the short term? You know, I, I think it's possible that um, he could help you this year. So I, I would be, uh, you know, in favor of a promotion just because I think, uh, especially with running backs and the relatively short life expectancy, I wouldn't be too worried about the four-year window, you know, and, and trying to get your, uh, recoup your value from him in that window. Um, but I do think that it's possible that he becomes, um, you know, kind of a key contributor this year, just cause I, I guess I'm so down on Jamal Williams. Um, just like, so I think he's had 34 carries now between the preseason and the regular season, long gain of six yards. Um, you know, he's just basically no wiggle, just kind of running into piles and, and not moving them. Um, you know, I, I think Jones might have already passed him with his, uh, you know, performance in, in the Thursday night game against the Bears. And, you know, Ty, it remains to be seen whether he's going to be able to hold up to sort of workhorse usage. Um, you know, he's got the sickle cell trait, which I think is kind of a, a concern, you know, as, as we've seen with John Brown, you know, about what, uh, the lingering effects of an injury can be. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, a rib injury is, is maybe falls into that category of an injury you'd worry about lingering. But, um, you know, I just don't know if Ty's going to be able to stay healthy all season, uh, being used as much as Green Bay has used him so far. So, um, you know, I do think Jones is a, a chip worth keeping around. And, and you know, I, I think he could have value as early as this week. And uh, actually, I'm kind of hoping he has value as early as this week because I might have to start him in the Scott Fishball. <laughs> where, where would you prioritize in in terms of pickups do you even with more competition and with 
some concern that maybe the injuries for the other players, I mean, it's not concerned. We're, we're hoping those other players are not seriously injured, but with the potential committee elements, uh, does that knock him down for you? Or is this situation with Aaron Rodgers in a dynamic offense? Uh, does that boost him up your list of up your priority list in terms of your ads this week? Yeah, I like the fact that he's playing in a, a dynamic offense, you know, and I'm not so worried about the competition, especially since I'm kind of dismissing Jamal Williams, you know, and, and seeing him as the number two, um, you know, and maybe maybe I'm jumping the gun on that. But that is kind of how I view it. And uh, it is attractive that, you know, he's just one injury away from potentially getting a lot of run with Aaron Rodgers. Um you know, and I think the nice thing is on waivers this week, he's going to fly under the radar a little behind Murray, behind people speculating on the Seattle situation, maybe even behind Gallman. You know, since uh, just since the Ty Montgomery injury has been, you know, termed a, a pretty minor one. So I think that might kind of throw people off Jones' sense, and uh, you might be able to get him with a relatively low bid. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, and I'm I'm definitely interested in in trying to do that this week. Uh, you mentioned the Seattle situation. Let's go there. Um, I think depending on your league, pretty much any of the running backs that you know are going to be getting carries going forward for Seattle: Thomas Rawls, Eddie Lacy, C.J. Procise, J.D. Uh, McKissick. I've never said his name before, so hopefully that's right. Uh, could all be on waiver wires. Um, you know, Chris Carson obviously out for the year with a leg fracture, at least out uh, for the fantasy season. I guess there's some talk maybe he could get back for the playoffs. But uh, he's he fractures leg, also had a high ankle sprain, so he is done for the fantasy season. Um, how are you prioritizing the Seattle running backs? Lacey was, you know, the guy in there um, besides Carson and McKissick. Procise was hurt. Uh, Rawls was, a, a, I think, a healthy scratch, inactive for that game. So, um do you prioritize Lacey over Rawls and how do you prioritize the passing down backs? And then where do these guys kind of fall within some of the names that we've already mentioned? Um, Pat, let's start with you. Yeah, I was really uh, kind of wrestling with this one today, especially since, uh, you know, Pete Carroll is kind of, um, I don't know. So he's got Lacey active this past Sunday, Rawls inactive, but Today, he was kind of making it sound as if Rawls was ahead of Lacey in the pecking order. Um, I, I guess my priority right now would be, if I had to rank these four, I would say Procise number one, Rawls number two, Lacey number three, McKissick four. Um, you know, I, I could be totally off on McKissick, and I'm not, you know, necessarily dismissing him just because he, he was, uh, you know, because of his wide receiver background, because, you know, we've been talking about Ty Montgomery and he's shown that, uh, you know, you can make the, the wide receiver running back transition and McKissick did look good, but I, I just get the feeling that he's kind of a placeholder for Procise and, um, you know, now Procise is expected back this week. Um, you know, Lacey just kind of looks cooked to me. I'm not really willing to shell out any, uh, fab capital for him. Um, you know, Rawls, I, I guess fits the early down mold, but, um, you know, there are enough questions about him where I'm not really going to break the bank making a play for him. And, uh, you know, when it gets down to it, I guess I'm just willing to make a bet on pro athleticism and receiving skills. And, um, you know, just the fact that he's a little more dynamic than, any of these guys with the possible exception of, uh, you know, the mysterious Mr. McKissick. 
So um, uh, that's how I'd order it. And I'm very curious to hear what you guys think and, and how you guys would order it. Well, I know that you also lost Carson. And so who, who will you be looking to pick up this week? That's a unique league, Sean. That's a uh, 16 team, 24 round pick, and we do not have waivers. You have to you have to trade out of your misery. Oh God, <laughs> that's rough. It is rough. Yeah, I just don't think that this this Seattle team can run the ball, and I think based on what they've done in the past and what their identity is, they're going to continue to say that they need to run the ball and that they're going to establish the run. But simultaneously, I think their coaching staff is too good to really make that an emphasis in terms of what they're actually doing, how they put their game plans together, how they execute during the games. What we've seen these last several weeks is that even in a situation where perhaps their receiving firepower is not at the same level of a lot of other teams, that Russell Wilson can get the ball down the field, can make this an explosive, dynamic offense that scores a lot of points and does it through the air. So if you're going to score a lot of points, that's that's exciting for the running backs because then you have this opportunity for Rawls or Lacey to really be uh, their version of Gillisley. The problem is just we don't know who it's going to be, and we don't know if they can even run the ball uh, down around the goal line if they have multiple chances. The offensive line is that bad, and Rawls and Lacey are struggling that much. So uh, I guess I would go with the passing down backs, try and add both of them when you have the opportunity. But the Seattle is a, is a great situation to illustrate you know, what we're trying to do with rosters just across the board, where really you're trying to continuously churn running backs at the bottom of your roster. And so especially if you're in a situation where you have some people who aren't very exciting or now you're starting to solidify your group of wide receivers, you could even cut some playable wide receivers in order to try and roster multiple players from the Seattle running back group because we're really quite – a good distance from knowing yet what this team is going to look like and who they're going to be uh, down the stretch when it really counts for fantasy owners. Yeah. Yeah. That's all great points. Um, this is a definitely a deep week for running back pickups as well. Um, you know, kind of to the point of, of trying to roster multiple guys, three more that I want to touch on here before we close out. Um, Alex Collins, Sean, he's a guy you mentioned last week. Um, as kind of a deeper pickup, he started this week, went nine for 82, uh, for the second straight week that weirdly enough, um, he did have a fumble that caused some concern. Uh, and there's, you know, obviously again, just nine carries, but the potential for some increased workload if he continues to outplay Terrence West, um, Deontay Foreman, he had eight attempts to Lamar Miller's 14 last week. He had 13 to Miller's 23 this week. Um, he's obviously, I think a very dynamic, uh, runner and someone that, uh, could continue to eat into Miller's role. And then Elijah McGuire, uh, who we've kind of bounced around here as a late, you know, kind of deeper dynasty slash deeper roster pickup. I think, uh, he just went, you know, 10 for 93 and a touchdown and three for 45 through the air. So he becomes, I think more than that now someone that's on the radar in just kind of standard redraft leagues. And I, you know, think it's at least in the realm of possibility that he could take over um, as kind of the lead back in a committee by season's end, given what we saw from him. 
this past week, Powell also had a long touchdown, but it was a very fluky play where he uh, he kind of burst through the line and jumped over it. an arm tackle, and in fact, that arm never touched him, so he was able to get back up and scamper in for a pretty long touchdown. But um, anyway, what what do you guys think about those three guys? Uh, I guess who are you most interested there, and uh, where do they kind of fall for you in this pretty crowded slate of, of uh, running back waiver wire pickups this week? For me, I guess I, I'm still most interested in Foreman of those guys, even though I think Miller kind of uh, has stopped the slide a little bit. I mean, it was starting to seem as if Foreman might be on the verge of a takeover there, and then Miller just had you know a fantastic game um, on Sunday to kind of put that to rest, I guess. But uh, yet Foreman is still getting work, and uh, – you know, as, as Sean had mentioned earlier, the Texans offense is looking a lot more exciting now, um, you know, and, and that leaves Foreman one injury away from potentially a really lucrative role. So uh, and, and meanwhile, you know, some potentially helpful uh, part time work where, you know, in the right right situation or if Miller was banged up, Foreman might be flex worthy. Um, I guess McGuire, I would probably put second. Um, you know, I, I don't. I think they have to get an extended look at him. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to necessarily try him in a workhorse role. Um, I was kind of looking at that with Powell just to see what uh, the contract situation was and, and whether, you know, they might think about dumping him. And, and they would, I think, take less than a, a million dollar cap hit if they let him out of the last year of his contract and uh, just roll with McGuire. But they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback next year. And, uh, you know, Paul kind of strikes me as like a quarterback's best friend kind of running back, a guy you can, uh, you know, you can hand the ball to him. You can uh, dump off passes to him. I mean, it, it just seems like they're going to want him around next year for Sam Darnold or, or Josh Rosen or whoever it is. And um, I, I guess I'm the least interested in Collins, even though he's um, – you know, got a little bit of wiggle to his his game. It just like I'm not excited about anyone running behind a uh, Marshall Yandelis Ravens offensive line. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like the Ravens are a team that is going to have the types of high value touches that would allow a running back to consistently be startable. We've seen several of these guys put up some games that you know, if you had him in your fantasy lineup, you would have done okay. They would have been able to bridge to maybe a, a hopefully a better performance or a breakout performance by someone later. But unless the offense dramatically improves, then it's hard to see really any of those players being, uh, being priorities, even if individually they all have some people, or at least uh, Allen and Collins have some individual characteristics that are fairly interesting. Pat, I wanted to go back to McGuire for a second and, and talk about this Jets situation. One of the things I didn't understand going into this season was this idea that they were going to go with Powell instead of Forte because the rebuilding and, and Forte is this sort of old veteran that seemed like it, it sort of ignored the fact that Powell also basically fits into that category in that if you're a rebuilding team you know, he's not going to be the running back of the future. Is there any strange kind of possibility here that the Jets are decent enough that they would postpone some of the 
some of this temptation to look at Maguire, to emphasize Maguire. Obviously, he's a pretty low probability breakout candidate in terms of also being sort of a running back of the future. But are, are the Jets, is there any chance the Jets are better than people expected going into the season? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I think in, uh, you know, by some measure, they've already like topped their, uh, the over under that yeah. people were setting as far as uh, win expectations. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they maybe could be good enough to win five or six games, but uh, you know, I think <sighs> For them, uh, the idea that they might be pushing for, you know, that they might harbor postseason aspirations into like November might be a little far fetched. So, um, but yeah, you, you make an interesting point though about, uh, Forte and, and, you know, like, I guess the career window or the window of usefulness. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty heavily invested in Forte and MFL tens just because I thought people were sort of overdoing the, the Powell thing and, uh, you know, just kind of underestimating Forte. And, um, but, you know, possibly I think as far as looking beyond this year, I just don't think they're going to be too interested in, in what Forte can do for them. I, I do think like it does make sense for them to give McGuire some run this year. Yeah. A couple notes, uh, there, I just pulling up the over unders. Uh, I think this is from the Westgate September 6th, the jets over under was, uh, three and a half. So, oh man! Uh, and, you ha- and you had to pay. It was minus one forty-five to take the under, and plus one twenty-five to take the over. So they're begging you to take the over, and the Jets are already more than halfway to that uh, season win total. So the Jets are definitely better than you know people were giving them credit for before the season. Um, and then on the contracts, Matt Forte and Bilal Powell are signed through two thousand eighteen. Powell. Um, Though it looks like he's got a million in dead cap, but his cap hits about five million, so they could save four million by cutting him. And Forte, is, they could save three million by cutting him. So, um, kind of interesting. I don't really expect them to. I probably do expect them to cut Forte, but I don't expect them to cut Powell. Like you're saying, Pat, I think it would just be kind of strange if you've got a guy who, you know, can be kind of a quarterback's best friend, like you said. Um, he's not that old. He's 28. Keep him for one more year. Maybe use him as a transition. But I do think, um, you know, the Jets the last couple weeks. Uh, personally, I'm not really buying it. Is is like, you know, this is going to be like a 500 even level team. So uh, I'm wondering with McGuire, we could see a team that's really going down the stretch, knows it's completely out of it, and maybe at that point they want to see what they have in him. Um, and again, I, given this crowded week, he's got to be pretty inexpensive on waivers. Uh, you know, we we're talking about Aaron Jones maybe flying under the radar. I think McGuire could come pretty cheap this week. Um, uh, anyone else that we didn't mention running backs wise? We didn't talk about the Cardinals running backs. Uh, you know, Ellington or, or Chris Johnson could be out there. Um, you know, Johnson's been pretty ineffective. Ellington's been semi-effective. Um, any any interest in those guys or any other running backs that we didn't mention? Uh, Ellington, yes, in PPR. I mean, I I think in PPR I would be you know happy to. I, I think he's seen as limited and um, you know so much the better if you're going to get him for a relatively cheap bid. But mm-hmm. considering they just can't run the ball, I mean, I think they're averaging like under three yards a carry. And uh, you know, Chris Johnson is kind of out of juice. I think uh, you know Ellington might have 
value going forward as like a high high volume pass catcher. Pat, I know that uh, we need to let you go here so you can get get back there and and root against um, Alex Smith. I, I believe it was. Before we let you go, is there <laughs> any? Was there any event this weekend or any development that you think is especially relevant or interesting to fantasy football in general as we go forward? What was the biggest thing that stood out to you from this past week? I mean, I guess what jumps out immediately is that just the week that everyone, you know, so many podcasts and so many articles declared Cam Newton completely useless. And he, uh, you know, I know it was a very sketchy Patriots pass defense, but, um, you know, like maybe Newton isn't, uh, completely worthless and maybe, you know, there's still some hope for, I mean, I, I think I, uh, you know, I probably told about a dozen different followers that Devin Funches had no value this week only to see him turn around and have a huge game. So, uh, you know, maybe Benjamin and Funches are, uh, worth a little more than I'd given him credit for. And maybe, you know, Newton is at least playable in certain matchups, you know, if not, uh, if not in QB one territory anymore. That's interesting. I think that a lot of people probably had uh, certainly Cam Newton on the bench. Also, even in deep leagues, I know the most frustrating thing for me personally, but then I assume sort of across the fantasy landscape is that if you've held bunches for several seasons and you have them in a deep league where, you know, 12 to 14 players and you need to start three to four to, to five wide receivers. You might have still had him on the bench this week and then he gets the two touchdowns and you're looking at, at that line and thinking, is he ever going to be playable again? The, the biggest problem I think that you have with performances like that is that you tend to have the person in the lineup early. They don't score. Then they have that one week where they put up a big number. And then they have this temptation to play them then for the next month or so until they've again proven that they're not going to do anything. So it, it has sort of the, the double whammy of not only not getting those points, but then potentially in chasing those points, you lose out on points the next week and the next week and the next week. Right. Is there anything from that game where, where you think now uh, these guys are playable? Or should fantasy owners just take that and say, you lost those points, you've been stashing them, keep stashing them until they do that for a month or so? Uh, I would probably tend to be in the latter camp. <laughs> yeah, and uh, with punches, I've, I uh, I went zero running back and Scott, zero uh, wide receiver and Scott Fishbowl and still didn't start him this week with, uh, you know, I think I had only four wide receivers on my roster and I said, punches is definitely the guy I'm sitting. So I, I feel the pain there with uh, also missing out on punches. Um, but let's, uh, let's end it there for now. Um, Pat, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate you coming on here. Um, going a little bit longer than I think we, uh, we planned it, but really appreciate your time. Um, everyone make sure to follow Pat on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Check out his work at the football girl four for four and SI.com and, uh, follow his rankings on fantasy pros. Cause they're super accurate. Pat, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks a lot guys. Really enjoyed chatting. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, 
You can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash radio. E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.